Thanks for tuning in to High Point Assembly's podcast, where you're going to hear a life-giving message that we hope will encourage you no matter where you are in your walk with Christ. Check out our website at highpointassembly.org for more podcasts, information, and how to join us live in person or online every Sunday. We hope this message blesses you wherever you may be listening from. And remember, no matter where you're at, you belong. That's our official greeting this morning. We greet you in the name of Jesus, and we're glad that you're here. I want to... I'm so excited that we have so many of you back in our building today. I'm thankful to have you here. I'm equally thankful for those who are joining us online. I'm not certain because I haven't been back there, but we have seating set up in the gym in the East Room. If you were in the gym in the East Room, a special shout out to you. Thank you for joining us. This morning, uh, we're going to continue in our series called A Matter of Trust. And in this series, we've been looking at uh, how essential it is for us to trust God in all circumstances of our daily life. And I believe it's a very timely series considering everything that's going on in our nation right now. Our scripture reference for this uh, entire series is found in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. You know, one of the biggest roadblocks to not fully trusting God comes when we don't follow that part of the scripture that says, lean not upon your own understanding. Because when we do lean on our own limited human understanding, it's never enough. It always falls short. It will always lack what you really need. It will never relieve you of your fears, and it will certainly not bring you peace. This is especially true whenever we face difficulties and circumstances beyond our control. I'm talking about the times when, when things happen that knock the very props of life out from underneath you and they leave you feeling helpless. Some are life and death situations while others are not, but no matter what the details are, it always leaves you with a difficult time functioning during your day. And we are so deeply affected by these events that it becomes hard for us to move forward. It can appear as though that your life is falling apart and, and all you can seem to do is stand on the sidelines and watch it as it unravels before your eyes. It seems like your dreams and your goals and, and your plans, for a time at least, seem to literally disappear. These are the times, ladies and gentlemen, when we need to trust God more than ever. And for some, that explains exactly where you are this morning. This COVID-19 thing and this stay-at-home order has been a nightmare for some of you. You're not working, and you're wondering how you and your family will stay afloat. Maybe your business has been closed, and, and right now you wonder if it's ever going to open back up and be running up to full steam again. So many people are experiencing fear over the uncertainty right now. And then when you add to that the racial tensions that are running at a feverish pace all over America, because once again, racism has reared its ugly head in the most hideous way with the senseless murder of not just George Floyd, but let's not forget a couple weeks earlier when Ahmaud Aubrey, a young man, was gunned down by a father and son because he was running or jogging in the wrong neighborhood. 
Both of those acts are indefensible and they are disgusting no matter how you look at it. And of course, this has resulted in riots and and protests and destruction going on all over our nation. And we are in a very bad place right now as a country. And we as a people need to pray. We're all good at posting our opinions on social media, but church, instead of posting, we need to do more praying. Certainly everyone in America is entitled to an opinion, but opinions have never solved anything. Prayer and living like Jesus would live is the solution. And so right now, people are living and dealing with real fears and real concerns. And people are wondering when and where and how all of this is going to work out. Well, I want to tell you something that I've been telling you all along online, and that is, though these things may shock us and they may catch us off guard, none of this surprises God. And even though we don't fully understand everything that's going on, and personally we don't have the power in and of ourselves to end them, we know who does. And therefore, we must trust in the Lord, because ultimately, all of this is in His capable hands. So this morning, I want to talk about trusting God in the storm, because that's exactly where we find ourselves today. We're in a storm. And depending on your personal circumstances, it might be a thunderstorm and it might be a hurricane. And this isn't the first storm that you've ever experienced in your life. We've all weathered storms before. As I said, they come in a variety of ways and they all have differing degree of difficulties attached to them. We often refer to them as a crisis, but no matter what you call it, it's a place where trusting God is essential. So in preparation, I'd like you to turn your Bibles to to the book of Luke and go to chapter 2 and mark it there. We're going to read from Luke chapter 2 in a couple minutes. But while you're doing that, let me just say this. I think that we can all agree that trusting in God comes easy when everything is going our way. When our professional life or our livelihood is going well, when our relationships are strong and secure, when our finances are in order, when our family is united and our our health is, is good, when the immediate future looks bright. That's when you find yourself riding a a wave of contentment. You don't seem to have a care in the world. I mean, why wouldn't we trust God in moments like that when everything is going right? That's a no-brainer. But it is within the storm where trusting God seems to be harder for us because we tend to only look at the difficulty and the helplessness of a situation. We tend to focus on those things that we have absolutely no control over. But I propose to you today that it is during these storms where your trust can be taken to entirely new levels and you can grow spiritually through it like never before. Because when you are in a storm and you are feeling isolated, And when questions and and doubts start to emerge and you continually assess and reassess the situation at hand while struggling with pain and fear and anxiety and your faith is being tested like it's never been tested before, it is in that moment, 
It is within that storm when you begin to realize that you are not at all in control like you thought you were. And furthermore, it is within the storm when you're at the very end of your rope that you deeply and you sincerely sometimes finally cry out to Jesus. And that, ladies and gentlemen, at that very moment is when he can truly do a work in your life. It will be a milestone in your life that you will look back on and know that God was with you and could be trusted. You see, God can teach us so much through a personal storm because it puts us in the position of finally listening to him and truly relying upon him. And and if you will look back on your life and if you will look at some of the storms that you have gone through, I can guarantee you that those times are when you experience the greatest levels of growth in your life. In fact, it is lessons that we learn during the storm that stick with us for the rest of our lives. And throughout the Bible, you see story after story of, of people in crisis and how God led his people through those crises. But today, I'm going to use the story of someone that you rarely hear sermons mentioned in any sermon. Maybe at Christmas time you do. I'm going to use Jesus' mother Mary as our example. Because if anybody experienced some thunderous storms in her life, it was Mary. And it all began when as a young woman, an angel appeared to her who informed her, Mary, you are chosen to carry and birth the promised Messiah. And she said to the angel, well, how can this be? I've never been with a man. How am I going to bring forth a child? And the angel said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you and you will conceive this child. Now this event ushered in the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and we rejoice at this particular moment of history. But for Mary, it was the beginning of a personal storm in her life. Think about it for a moment. All of a sudden, she's, got a, she, she's not only going to be pregnant, but she is going to be pregnant, and in her womb is the Savior of the world. A virgin who has never been with a man, who is betrothed to be married to Joseph. Can you imagine the conversations that, that took place between her and Joseph? Regarding this pregnancy, Joseph asked, well, Mary, how how did you get pregnant? Well, Joseph, an angel appeared to me and he told me I would conceive the Son of God. Think about that kind of a conversation. And not only the difficulty of trying to explain it to Joseph in a way that he would understand and believe her, but think about the culture in which she lived, a culture that would label her and ostracize her and even stone her to death if they found out that she was pregnant out of wedlock. This is the kind of crisis that when you think about it would require a huge amount of trust in God. And Mary did trust God. And she saw God's promises fulfilled in the birth of Jesus Christ. But this morning, I wanna share another crisis moment that Mary had to endure. This particular storm, I believe, was worse than the first one bearing and birthing the Son of God. Because now her son is all grown up, and he is fulfilling his mission. Jesus has become a man of the people, and she's seeing far less of him than ever before. She realizes that what God has called him to do, what God brought him to this earth to do, is now taking place. 
And she can see how Jesus is, is creating controversy with the religious leaders of the day, how he is accused of violating Jewish ceremonial and religious law and blaspheming, and how his power is being attributed to Satan. And all Mary can do is sit back and watch while the masses turn against her son and her son, her baby boy, who she loved more than life itself, gets arrested, gets beaten and gets abused and ultimately is crucified and killed on the cross. You talk about a crisis moment for any mother. I can't think of anything more tormenting. But through it all, through this horrific experience, probably the greatest storm of her life, I know Mary learned some things. She learned some essential lessons that are a part of, 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 any, of enduring any storm. And so this morning, I want to share these lessons with you because you may be going through a storm at this very moment and experiencing something that might seem unbearable to you. And if not now, let me tell you, you certainly will. It is only a matter of time. And I believe that if we apply these same three lessons that Mary learned through her storm and apply it to our own personal crisis, we too can weather the storm and we can thrive once again. And the first lesson that Mary learned that we must apply to our circumstances is the lesson of purpose. The lesson of purpose. I don't think that any of us could fully understand what Mary and Joseph went through as they raised Jesus, the promised Messiah. In fact, there is only one recorded reference of Jesus in the scriptures from, from the time he was age two until he entered the ministry at the age of 30. And it's found in Luke chapter two, and hopefully you have turned there by now. We're gonna be reading verses 41 through 52. Luke chapter two, verses 41 through 52. His parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. When they had finished the days, as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother did not know it, but supposing him to have been in the company, they went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. Now so it was after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. So when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said to them, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? But they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. Imagine losing your 12-year-old for just a couple hours. But now, Mary and Joseph have lost track of their 12-year-old son, the scriptures say, for three days. And yet, 12-year-old Jesus is surprised that they're concerned about this whole situation. You see, this was his moment. 
The promised Messiah's time was at hand. Jesus was now beginning to focus on his purpose. He would now be about his heavenly father's business. He knew his mission. It was the reason that he was sent here in the first place. And this purpose is what carried him all the way from that day through the the, the torture and the pain of the cross of Calvary. So Mary learned a valuable lesson that would help her as she watched her son go through all of this and eventually die on the cross. When crisis hits, focus on your purpose. Life, uh, know, know what your calling is. Know what you are here for. Life isn't about you and life isn't about me. Life is all about God. Colossians 1.16 says, For by him all things were created, things in heaven and earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. That includes you and I. We were made by him and we were made for him. Romans 6.13 says, Instead, give yourselves completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Your main purpose, my main purpose, is to live a life in a manner that glorifies God, period. Period, that's it. And within that purpose, God gives each one of us gifts and talents and abilities that allow us to live live fulfilled lives here on this earth as we serve him a calling to a particular field of work or a field of study, the ability to express yourself in creative ways, in the ways that God has gifted you, the ability to serve in God's kingdom work, the ability to live an abundant Christian life. And if you haven't come to realize what your your purpose is yet, let me give you a hint. Far above what you choose to do professionally or how you plan to support yourself financially, whether you become rich or famous or whether you live quietly without either of those things, your one calling Your one purpose is to influence this world for Christ Jesus, to glorify God by the way you live your life through the good and through the bad times. That's what you are here for. That's what I am here for, in case you were wondering. You see, there is a false perception and there is a a flawed theology out there that would lead you to believe that God will make all of your days easy and wonderful and carefree. And it's an irresponsible theology that is being taught. That somehow we will never face adversity, that we will never face persecution or crisis, and that's just not true. Psalm 34, 19 says, many are the afflictions of the righteous. But then it goes on to say, but the Lord delivers him out of all of them. In this fallen world in which you and I live, it is inevitable that storms are going to come your way. When sin entered the world through the heart of man, all bets were off. Crisis will come knocking at your door at some time and in some way. So you and I have got to be prepared for it. Maybe you are experiencing it right now. The truth is, I believe that, that God allows us to go through these storms in life because he knows the potential return that can come out of them. Because adversity always makes you stronger. You become like steel 
in the fire that's being hammered by the artisan into a sword. You are in the process of being tempered, meaning a tempered piece of steel does not break into pieces during battle. And likewise, you do not bend when another weapon makes contact with you. Always remember, while you are in the storm, while you are experiencing crisis, you are here for God's glory. And this is where the lesson of purpose is taught. In the book of James, chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, it says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Rather than viewing a crisis as an unmanageable moment of intense discomfort, the Word of God tells us to view it as a chance for us to grow. And it even tells us in this scripture to use it as an opportunity to express joy. (laughs) Now that may not seem very effective or possible to you, but when you start living your life with an eternal perspective, you will begin to look at everything differently, including crisis moments, because you understand that the challenges that you might be facing in this world are only temporal. And when you identify what your your unique purpose is as a child of the living God, when crisis comes your way and knocks on your door, you will not only be able to endure that crisis, but you will learn and you will grow and you will thrive through it because purpose grants you perspective. And therefore, Your perspective cannot simply be to dwell on the difficulty at hand, but as a blood-bought follower of Jesus Christ, you must look heavenward. We've got to realize that this short amount of time that we invest so much effort and time and energy and, and, and our thoughts into, this short amount of time that we spend upon this earth is only temporary. It is a blip on the radar screen of eternity. We got to follow what that old hymn tells us. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full into his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Purpose grants perspective, and eternal perspective ultimately grants you peace. Therefore, we all must learn this lesson of purpose in our individual lives. The second lesson that Mary learned that we need to embrace is this, the lesson of promise. The lesson of promise. And I want to look at probably the most painful moment of Mary's life as she watched the crucifixion. I could read scriptures describing the the, the experiences that Jesus went through from his arrest and his beating and his crucifixion, but I don't think that there are words that can truly express the horror of what Jesus went through. I believe the most realistic depiction of the arrest, the beating, the scourging, the crucifixion is what we saw in the film, The Passion of the Christ. Because I think it showed, as only Hollywood can do it, the true torture and the brutality of that moment. The flogging from the cat of nine tails that would have killed most men. The crown of thorns, and when you saw those thorns, I mean, those weren't little thorns, those thorns were about an inch and a half long. 
And they put that on his head and they took sticks and they shoved it over his skull and just gashed open his forehead. The beatings, the continual beatings from the Roman soldiers. The hunks of beard being torn from his face, followed by him being spit upon like he was refuse or something. The nails that were driven through his hands and through his feet. The tremendous weight of the cross that he not only had to carry, but also how heavy that cross would be wearing on his, his wounds that he had already received. And the gasping of the air as, his, his, as the weight of his own body was literally suffocating him as he hung there with his, with his arms spread and he couldn't lift up in order to take a proper breath. Mary sat there and watched her firstborn, and I might add her sinless son, being tortured and being ridiculed and being beaten beyond recognition. And I am certain that Mary had a hard time looking past that, the darkness and the despair of that particular moment. And I'm certain that she remembered the haunting words of the prophecy given to her in Luke chapter 2, verse 35. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul, she was told. And now she's experiencing it. As a parent, I do not know how she coped with all of that mentally or, or emotionally. But as a Christian, I have a greater understanding of how she did. And it was spiritual. It was supernatural. It could have only been endured through the, the power and through the promises of God. Mary learned the lesson of promise. The promise of the scriptures that spelled out in detail the coming of the Messiah. She knew that no matter what happened to her son in the physical realm would be uh, corrected in the spiritual realm. It was promised by God, and Mary knew that God's word was trustworthy. When life grows dark, and when the storm clouds come in, what do we have to light our path and to give us hope? We have the word of God and the promises that are found in it. Psalm 119, 105 says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Psalm 119.50 says, this is my comfort in my affliction. For your word has given me life. In these scriptures, David realized that the promises of God is what he needed in order to strengthen him, strengthen him and guide him through the storms that he was experiencing. He also wrote in Psalm 119.28, my soul melts from heaviness. Strengthen me according to your word. We need to learn this lesson of promises of God and believe his pr promises both preserve us and strengthen us. Here are just a few promises that should bring you hope when you feel hopeless in a storm. When you're worried, 1 Peter 5, 6 through 7 says, Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. When you're being attacked, 2 Timothy 4.18 says, And the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. When troubled, John 14.27 says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. When you're weak, Psalm 18, 32 says, It arms me with strength 
and makes my way perfect. When you're experiencing death, John eleven twenty five, 25, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. When you're confused, James 1, 5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. When you're anxious, Philippians 4, 7, and the peace of God which, which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. When you're alone, Romans 8, 38 and 39 says, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing, shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. My advice to all of you and myself today is this, know and learn and absorb the word of God and the promises that, that are found within because they are there for you. They are there for me. They're not there for everybody else, though they are. They were written for you. God has you specifically on his mind. And remember that the promises of God always brings perspective. So learn to live with this promise of this lesson of promise when the storms come upon your life. Because when you learn to live by and to lean upon these promises, they will see you through. The third lesson that Mary learned is absolutely crucial. It's the lesson of people. The lesson of people. John gives us a, a, a glimpse of a very personal moment that he had at the foot of the cross with Jesus and Mary, Jesus' mother. In John 19, 26, it says, when Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing by, that was John, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her into his own home. In the midst of unbelievable suffering, Jesus had enough forethought to prepare and provide for his mother. Jewish tradition was, and it should be tradition everywhere in the world, that you honor one's father and mother by providing for them in their old age. It appears as though Joseph is dead because there's no mention of him during the crucifixion or the scriptures even leading up to that. And Mary probably wasn't even through her 40s when all of this happened. And you've got to understand, she lived in a culture that made it nearly impossible for a woman to support herself. Jesus knew this. He wanted to be sure that his earthly mother was taken care of. And this remark to John is what set it all in motion. In fact, many theologians have drawn the conclusion that this is the very reason why John was the only disciple that was not martyred so that he could fulfill this mission that Jesus gave him. But let me share with you an earlier event that is found in Matthew 12, 46 through 50. While he, Jesus, was still talking to the multitudes, behold, his mother and brothers stood outside seeking to speak to him. Then one said to him, look, your mother and your brothers are standing outside seeking to speak with you. But he answered and said to the one who told him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And he stretched out his hand towards his disciples and he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother, my sister, 
and my mother. Now, Jesus wasn't being disrespectful to his family there, but he was opening up this concept of the family of God. We are family, church. We are. Maybe not in the bloodline sense, but though we have all been clearly saved by the blood of Jesus, then that makes us all relation. We are a part of the family of God, and we are to be here for one another when these storms come. You see, Mary needed people in her life to be there for her during these storms that she endured. And she, she needed to feel their love and she needed to feel their support. And she learned the lesson of people. You should always pity anybody who's a loner. You've heard of people who are islands all unto themselves. If you're one of those islands, and you isolate yourself off away from everybody, you need to break away from that mold and you need to start building relationships. It's been said that the, the only way to have a friend is to become one. To experience this lesson of people that I'm talking about, you must make an effort to engage yourself in the process of developing relationships within the body of Christ. And I believe that failure to do so will cause you to miss out on one of the greatest blessings of your life, having friends who will come alongside you during one of your storms. Ecclesiastes 4, verse 9 through 12 says, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. And a threefold cord is not easily broken or quickly broken. You know, the differing ministries at our church are absolutely crucial. The children's ministry, the youth ministry, the young adult ministry, the senior adult ministry, the celebrate recovery, the women's and men's ministry, they all have and serve a purpose. This is where people of of like ages and interests come together to first of all learn, but also to build relationships and, and to have accountability. You see, within this church, we develop meaningful relationships with one another that create, that naturally create love and concern and care for our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. It drives us to want to be there for each other, not just during the good times, but especially when we see them going through rough times, when we see them going through a storm. That's what the lesson of people is all about. So you need to be faithful in your attendance to your church or whatever ministry that you are involved with here at High Point, because that's how you build those strong relationships and and it pays such great dividends in your spiritual life. It will be the relationships that you establish with fellow Christians that will be the ones that will stick with you for your lifetime through thick and thin. Your Christian friends will help you through the storms that you're encountering. And we all need to get better at stuffing our pride and and saying, hey, I could use your help right now. I don't know of any Christian that would be offended by you saying that to them when you're having a time of need. But that requires every one of us to cut through the superficiality, to get real with each other and to get involved in each other's lives. If you do not call upon your Christian friends during the storms of your life, you are doing yourself, in my opinion, a huge disservice. God brings everybody into your life for a reason. 
because he knows at some point that we will all help each other to weather a storm together. You see, never know when God is going to do a miracle through you. You never know that. So you must develop relationships in order for that to actually happen. And you must be consistent in your involvement and in your participation. And yes, you must be there for others to minister to them, just like you want them to be there to minister to you. It goes both ways. So I want to encourage any of you that might be sitting on the fringe of this church to get actively involved in everything that we do. Get to know people and become known within this body. This is the only way that you will establish the kind of relationships that will provide you with the help that you need to weather a storm you're going through. Because people also help to bring you a proper perspective in the situation that you're in and your struggle. And ultimately, God uses those people to bless you during your crisis. You know, Mary faced a lot of things that we've never had to face, and yet she she remained intact, and she survived her storm. The last mention of her in the scriptures is found in Acts chapter 1, verse 14. It says, these all continued with on, with, in one accord and in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. She was a Christ follower until the day she died. She stuck it out under incredible adversity and she stayed focused and she became stronger in her faith. Mary did indeed learn these lessons in her life. And no matter how difficult our circumstances may look to us right now, we can too. In fact, if you walk away from whatever crisis, whatever storm you're involved in, and, not, and, and you walk away not growing, you have just wasted an incredible life-changing moment. I wanna share a few examples of people that I know personally and the lessons that they have learned through crisis. A friend of mine named David Bryant who was diagnosed with cancer and he was told to prepare for the worst, that he was going to die. But David fought against his cancer and a lot of people were praying for David and the Lord healed him. Right about the time of his diagnosis, David was ready to embark upon retirement. He had worked a long life and he was ready to relax and take it easy. But unexpectedly, after his healing, David had an amazing encounter with Jesus. And during a church service where he heard a message about how, how everyone has a God-given purpose. And he heard these words from the pulpit, I don't care how old you are, you can make a difference in someone else's life and in this world for Christ Jesus. Well, David, God clearly showed David what his purpose was in the latter part of his life. And he has taken his own experience and he is now ministering to cancer patients all over the United States through his ministry, Team Up Against Cancer. God is using David in such an incredible way because my friend David Bryant learned the lesson of purpose. He knows what God called him to do and he continues to reach out to those people and those families who have been ravaged by cancer. I think of a young man who was a part of my young adult ministry when I was at Phoenix First Assembly named Ben McDonald and the unfortunate circumstances that he was thrust into by a young lady who he had a romantic interest in. This young lady asked Ben to take a trip with her out of state because they needed to deliver a car to a family member who lived in Nebraska. But the purpose of the trip was not what she presented it as being. She deceived Ben. And completely unknown to him, 
the, the bumpers of the car were packed full of drugs. And just miles from their destination, they got pulled over by the state police and the, the, the drug sniffing dogs came out and Ben was arrested. And that set into motion a nightmare that lasted for years as he attempted to prove his innocence, not to local authorities. This were, these were federal drug trafficking charges. All of the legal proceedings and the judgments and all of the hoops he and his family were required to jump through, as well as the staggering expenses, most people would have lost heart. But him and his family continued to trust God, even when things were looking bleak. Because all Ben was guilty of was perhaps infatuation and poor judgment. But Ben and his family learned the lesson of promise. How that the Bible says that God would both defend and protect us during times of trouble. Ben is, is not only wiser and stronger now, but his trust in God has increased like never before. Here are his own words he wrote to me. God saw me through even when all seemed lost. He took what could have been one of the worst experiences of my life and turned it around for his good. And it is actually probably one of the best things that ever happened to me, exclamation point. For God showed me how to trust in him and that truly all things work together for the good. Ben's life has been transformed. He's married, he's got a baby of his own and he's serving in the church that I used to be on staff at. I think of another dear friend, Arthur Lee whose close friend and former boss was shot in the head while driving his car by a drive-by shooting. This man is now blind and his girlfriend is a paraplegic because of this senseless and random act of violence. They didn't even know who he was, they were just joyriding. Arthur neglected his own personal business to help two people who were in severe need of his help. And he began to operate and manage this man's business while this man lied in the hospital, while Arthur's own employees ran his business. Arthur learned the lesson of people through his selfless, selfless acts of love. He understood how we are all called to lighten each other's load, how we are to love through our actions, how we are not to just love through our words. And this couple learned the lesson of people as well as they watched Arthur be a vehicle of God's love and of God's help to them. These lessons are true. They're powerful. They are real. And this is what God uses to get us and others through our storms. Liz, could you come forward and help me close this down? You know, as we speak of storms, I can't help but think about a hurricane. And we are told that in every hurricane, at its very center is what they call the eye of the storm. And if you were able to penetrate the fury from the outer circle of wind in a hurricane, and you were able to get to the very center of it, you would find perfect peace and calm. On the outside, Winds are blowing at 80 miles an hour, blowing in a circular motion. But once you get to the center of the storm, the eye of the storm, they tell us you would find a perfect tropical day. As you look at the storms in your life, you have to realize that at the very center of it, you will find Jesus because he's there. You will find peace. You will find understanding. 
you will find hope, you will find strength, you will find provision. Most of us, however, are not willing to try to fight through the outer fury of the storm to get to the center where Jesus is waiting for us. We will give up. We will succumb to negativity. We will say things like, well, Jesus has forgot about me. He's forsaken me. But I am here to tell you today, if you seek Jesus through your personal storm, you will find him in the middle of it. And he will walk you through it. And you will come out the other side stronger than you have ever been before. Perhaps you're in the middle of the greatest crisis of your life at this moment, and you're hanging on by a thread. I want you to understand something, both here and people that are watching online. God is calling out to you, and he is saying to you, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Nothing can separate you from my all-consuming love. Trust in me. And we will weather this storm together, you and I. And I'm telling you, you will come to understand what, that what seems to be the greatest storm of your life will really become one of the defining moments in your walk with Jesus Christ. But you've got to allow him to be your God of the storm. Would you all stand to your feet with me, please? If you are in a storm or in a crisis today, and I know many are, I'd like to pray for you. Maybe you're here this morning and you're watching online and you don't know Jesus Christ. Well, you know of him, but you don't have a relationship with him and you would like to. You too are dealing with some problems and some circumstances and it seems like you have nowhere to turn. Let me tell you, Jesus knows and wants to walk with you through this time in your life. But he can't do that unless you invite him. I want to give you an opportunity today, if you'd like to come to know Jesus in a personal way and receive salvation this morning, while I pray, you can pray as well. The scriptures tell us in order to receive salvation, you must believe and you must confess. You must believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that he came to this earth and that he walked a sinless life and that, that death that he had on the cross and the blood that he shed atones for your sin. And all you need to ask is tell him that you believe him, ask him to forgive you and to become the Lord of your life. And he will, and he is faithful to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. You can start a new life. You can begin a new path. And Jesus can become your Lord in the storm, and he can become your Lord in your daily walk. There's nothing greater than having the assurance of knowing that Jesus is there with you every step of the way. Can we bow our heads in prayer, please? Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus and we thank you for your word. And we thank you that you are the God of the storm. And we thank you that you never leave us and you never forsake us. And we thank you that your love is never ending for us. And we thank you that you care for us. And we are sorry, Lord, that many times we don't reach out to you. But we try to weather these things on our own try to get through the storm. We start to feel sorry for ourselves, And we like to act like you're not present when you've been there all along. We've just neglected you. Forgive us for that, Father. I pray that you would turn our hearts towards you in every moment of every day and in every situation we're in. Whether it be the good times or the bad times, Father, let us reach out to you and know that you are there to strengthen us. You are there to teach us something. You are there to grow us 
into stronger men and women of God. That's what life is all about. And Father, for those who are watching or here today who don't know you, Father, that they would have the courage to pray a prayer of salvation and receive you today. And then all of us can, can leave here today. We can depart and go about our life knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are there, that we are secure in you and that you will guide our path, that you will bring provision, that you will bring the strength that is needed, that you will bring the focus for us to look on the eternal things and not the temporary things, which are just as they are called, temporary. Because there's always an end to a storm. Though when we're in it, sometimes we wonder if it will ever come to an end, but there is always an end. And you're at the end of it. And you are there with your arms open wide strengthening us and loving us and encouraging us through it. So God, we recommit our lives to you once again and we say, Lord, take the wheel of my life, become the Lord of my good times and my bad times. Become the Lord of the storm I'm going through now. I'm going to trust in you and I'm going to lean upon you and I'm going to believe the promises of your word apply to me. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for allowing us to come back together again and worship you as a family once again. Pray that as time goes on, more people will be less hesitant to come and that we will fully be back together like we were before all this came down. I trust you through this, Lord. It's going to come together in your time and in your way. And when it does finally come together, Lord, it's going to be greater than what the past was. And I thank you for that. These are the things that I trust you in, Lord, because I know that you want there to be a church in Red Bluff that is a shining bright light on a hill that's filled with people who love you and who trust you and have weathered storms before and can reach out to those who are going through them right now and we can be tangible help and encouragement to them during these times. So I say, use us, Lord. Use us in ways we haven't been used before. Stretch us in our faith and our knowledge of you. And I ask these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. amen. And amen. If you're watching us online, thank you for joining us. We're going to have a service again next Sunday at 10 a.m. We wanted to get two of these under our belt to see what it looked like and to see what it feels like on the 21st, which if my calendar is correct, is Father's Day. We're going to go to two services. There'll be one at 9 o'clock and one at 11 o'clock. You can choose whichever one you'd like to come to. But I want to thank you for being here. It is so good to see you. I'm going to go out in the foyer. I'm going to wave to you. I'm going to give you fist pumps and forearm pumps. And I know some of you are going to hug me and I got to be a good example. I'm not supposed to do that. So don't get upset with me. I'm going to try to be a good person and tell uh, our county that I followed what I said we would follow. So God bless you.